Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. Today, we're talking about a bunch of super old jackasses taking over the box office, Netflix bringing some serious star power to their 2022 movie lineup, and Peter Dinklage evil-witching about Disney's upcoming live-action Snow White movie. So, join us as we discuss all this and everything else that happened this week in Geek. My name is Kev, and if you're joining us for the first time, well, we're Geekcentric, a podcast covering the world of movies, TV shows, toys, collectibles, gaming, and all things Geekcentric. Keeping me company on this chilly February evening are two dudes with fancy dues who are paying their dues to be your podcast gurus. Of course, <laughs> I'm referring to Justin J. Law Lawrence and Nate Shelton. How are we doing Yo. this fine evening, gentlemen? Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. Mm, keeping it warm, bro. <laughs> keeping it warm over oh, here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's important. We're in the throes of, uh, of Canadian winter at its finest right now. It's, winter is here. You know, if it's not shoveling the driveway, it's cranking up the heater. It's always something these days, it feels. <laughs> and let me tell you, I'm dog-sitting still, and walking four beasts outside in the freezing cold is just never a good time. Dude, four beasts in the freezing cold. That would be a, that would make for a good movie. Just Kevin alone in the winter time, like stuck somewhere that stranded. That kind of sounds with, like with it's already been beasts. done with Liam Neeson, though. Oh, is that? Oh shoot! Oh shoot! Yeah, but those beasts wanted to eat that guy. I don't think. I don't think your pups would do that to you, Kevin. No, no, they would just really annoy me. This movie would definitely be rated R for all the swearing. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, you would just end up killing yourself out of being annoyed. That's all it would be. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. Speaking of being annoyed, mm. uh, you know, as we plan these shows, uh, we use the the app Slack to sort of, you know, exchange news articles and 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 trailers and whatnot. And I, I don't know if it's just I have a bad memory, I'm getting old or anything, but I can never seem to find this or most other apps on my phone. I'm always having to use the search function because I have no idea where yeah, I that's put how I live. these apps. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's and, and, and it just, I, I guess it goes to show that phones have incredible storage capabilities these days, and we just sort of take that for granted. But it got me thinking, what if our phones didn't have that kind of memory? What if, aside from the ones that come standard on an iPhone these days, what if you could only have three apps on your phone? Oh, you had to pare it down to just three apps. It's a, it's a crazy difficult I'm assignment, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I, that's that's a that's a thought process. It's a, it's a damn near impossible task, you know. So I, I I decided for myself at least, I would have to have something for sports. Yes, mm -hmm. that's just a go-to. And there's just certain apps in sports and movies that are better apps than they are web page browsers, at least when they've been converted to phones. And so Bleacher Report. The app is just so much more enjoyable to use than going onto their website. So that would be my go-to sports app. Much in the same vein, I find IMDb, the app, is just like so much better than the, the web page version of it, which is crazy considering it started as, as a, a web page all those years ago. Yeah, their website sucks. It yeah. sucks. It's, it's horrible. So, horrible. <laughs> so yeah, IMDb, I go on IMDb like 10 times a day. While I'm watching stuff and whatnot to see who that actor is, what I know them from. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'm, I love my mobile games, but if I could only have one, it would be my New York Times crossword app. I go on and do at least one or two crosswords a day. And so well, if I could soon, only have one, that would be it. Kevin, soon they're going to have the New York Times Wordle app, you know, after they purchased Wordle recently. Well, so that, talk about stressful. I, I need an <laughs> app for that to save my progress because I've yeah. had to have this web browser open on my phone for about two weeks now to record my progress. <laughs> And I've come close to closing it so many times. I think you know what? I think it'll still record it, Kevin. I think it, it goes really, based off I like your IP address. There, recognize my IP? I'm oh, pretty see, but I don't sure. want to be the one to test that. You know? I tried to I tried to cheat once. I tried to cheat and go back and see if I could do it in one, and then it was like, no, you've already done it for the day. I'm like, frick. Okay. Um, okay, oh, so so yeah, so we're saying sorry, are we saying podcast app is allowed as like a, a pre-built in app? I or? think that I think that comes pre-built in, right? That's okay. already yeah, on yeah, the yeah. phone. Okay, yep. sick, sick. Okay, so then I got to go with, ooh, uh, yeah, Instagram for sure. I'm just, I'm such a, a simp for the social medias. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, oh, gosh, um, maybe a YouTube. I got to go YouTube on there. Uh, and let's go Letterboxd. You said IMDb. I'm going to go Letterboxd. I want to I wanna see what my, thinks, my friends think 
of the latest movies and shows. And again, those are two apps that you can or sites you can get yeah. on a web browser, but are just so much better in app form. I wouldn't trade that for the 100%. world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I feel about Twitter. Like, I would oh, yeah. probably keep Twitter as the social networking mm-hmm. app that I would use on the regular. Twitter's a little bit all intensive purposes. It just has everything that you you need. Um, also, the uh, less the the least work with Twitter. I find if I need to put an Instagram post out, like I'm taking like an hour to do an Instagram post because I'm I'm I like like I'm old as like Kevin says right, and so it's like I'm trying to get everything work like perfectly, and like they don't they need to fix how you do stickers and stories and stuff like that. It's terrible, but yeah. but with with Twitter, you're right. Twitter, you can just sort of like oh that's a cheeky thing to say, and then you just put it out, put a yeah. hashtag on there, you're done. Yeah, exactly. See, and yet I'll still sit there for half an hour <laughs> trying to craft the perfect way the to say something. I probably should it. sit there for a half an hour and try to craft <laughs> And you know what? If maybe stuff. I had more than eight followers, it would be worth the time <laughs> I spent doing that. I, I don't. Yeah. I think the other thing, too, uh, I would I would want to keep is Letterboxd. I like mm-hmm. Letterboxd. I like being able to track movies I've watched yes. and movies that other people have watched. I think that that's fun. And you get some reviews in there as well. It's It has sort of a built-in IMDb uh, interface. And I guess the last app would be YouTube because I, I need my video content, man. Well, let me ask. Do you guys have a go-to? Because I know I don't. Do you have a go-to app that you use to get the latest news and movies and everything like that? Or is it posts you see on Twitter and Instagram and that sort of thing? Is that Twitter. sort of the, the yeah much. that leads it to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah so pretty much. Somebody, maybe Geekcentric needs to put out an app where it's it's just pumping that that latest and greatest news and movie trailers. You know, kind of like we're doing on the show here, but up to the minute. You know, I think that would be a great idea. But uh, perhaps speaking of the news, we should move right into that segment. It's all about the details. All right, our top story comes from Rebecca Rubin of Variety. Uh, Jackass Forever catapults to number one as Moonfall Craters. Uh, I, for one, am certainly not surprised by the second part of that headline. No. But uh, as a big-time old-school Jackass fan, uh, this is really fun to see, and I will just start off by saying um, we actually went to the movies just yesterday. We went to go see Scream. Nice. Oh, um, but as we were sitting there waiting for the movie to start, the trailer for Jackass came on, and the three of us who were there said, "You know what? We're making this a double bill." <laughs> and so, yeah, sure enough, we stuck around for a second show. It was Sick. played about twenty minutes after, and uh, given how disappointing Scream was, it was a great idea really? because this wow. left us all. My head hurt from laughing so hard at this movie. Somehow, these idiots are just still so charming <laughs> twenty years later. Um, uh, so, as Rebecca says, after living through nearly two years of a pandemic that won't end, Americans, and I guess Canadians, as it turns out, were in desperate need of a laugh. That may explain why Paramount's go-for-broke action comedy Jackass Forever triumphed at the box office, while Roland Emmerich's disaster epic Moonfall turned into an epic disaster. <laughs> oh, so, I wonder what he's going to blame now, because he was coming out over the last few weeks saying how Marvel and studios oh, like that are started. ruining movies. Oh, my gosh, dude. And he won't put yeah. the movie out in Canada. It's like we don't even get a chance to. Yeah, why is to it not? In, awful... Why is it not going into Canada? I didn't understand why. We we encountered a total of twenty two people, including employees, over the four and a half hours we were at the theater. Oh, wow. the other day. So maybe part of it is not worth the effort. We certainly weren't contributing to Jackass's big. Um, uh, box office over the weekend. <laughs> let me tell you. Speaking of which, Jackass Forever, the fourth installment in the ongoing saga of projectiles to the groin, collected 23.5 million from 3,600 North American locations in its debut, landing on the higher end of expectations. The latest Jackass, starring Johnny Knoxville, Steve O, Wee Man, and other daredevils from MTV Days, had wildly been expected to win the weekend, but its victory is still surprising and impressive because it had been some time since a pure comedy has claimed the top spot on box office charts. In catapulting to first place, Jackass Forever finally took down reigning champion Spider-Man No Way Home. which spent six of the last eight weeks at number one. Uh, Jackass Forever has also been a a kind of a hit with critics, notching 85% on Rotten Tomatoes and a B-plus cinema score from audience members. Which is shocking. Uh, And, I mean, you know what? Honestly, it is so much fun. If, if If you at all enjoy... People getting injured or whatnot. It is a lot Slapstick, of fun. yeah. Question, Kevin. Do I have to watch all the other Jackass movies to understand this one? Is that how it kind of works? All that would do for you is to give you an appreciation okay. of these guys who've been around. But, I mean, in this one, they introduce three or four new guys that actually do seem to take over 
the brunt of the uh, the escapades. Just, I think Johnny and Steve-O and Chris Pontius, the older guys. I mean, these guys are in their mid-50s. So crazy. there's only so many times, I think, you know, they want to stand in front of P.K. Subban and take a 92-mile-an-hour uh, slap shot to the nuts. Right, and I've heard there's <laughs> a lot of nuts and dicks in this one. There is, that- is, there is an awful lot of penis in this movie. <laughs> Bear... Full exposed male genitalia. Right there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's in perfect jackass fashion. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was a huge fan of the movies when when I was growing up. Uh, now I would say that I wouldn't necessarily rush up to theaters to see this movie, but I will probably check it out at some point. So again, though, for fans of the the original TV show and then the three movies, I've seen them all in theaters, and so it was fun to see them back on screen again after after quite a little while. And I just think it's crazy. This movie cost approximately ten million to make. Brought in $23 million on its first weekend. So needless to say, this was a great investment by the company, and I think everyone involved will do quite well. On the opposite side of that, <laughs> we've got Moonfall. Moon with fail. a one Moon, moon <laughs> fail. Excellent. $140 million budget. Yeah. Uh, one of the most expensive independent films ever. It brought in $10 million. Oh, my god. They gosh. are going to lose a buttload of money on this movie. And now, just I know a couple weeks ago we were talking about Roland Emmerich. And this being his shtick. Is this the one that makes him either quit movies forever or at least <laughs> try something different? I, I would hope that it at least shows that he should try something different. He'll blame it on the pandemic. He'll blame it on all these other elements before he kind of maybe does look inward and maybe think about the kind of movies that he's making and and maybe what he could do differently. He makes comments about the lack of originality around comic book movies, yet he just seems to reproduce the same sort of disaster films. Jeez, look in the mirror, dude. Right? So, I don't know. It's just really strange that he would make these comments and and not really with the awareness of the kind of movies that he's producing. Um, But yeah, I I don't know. I'm not surprised that a movie like Jackass Forever would would catapult and and beat Moonfall, you know, given the fact that, again, this didn't feel like anything original from any other disaster movie. It was depressing and it just looked epic for the sake of it. Uh, And clearly that shows. And I think people want to laugh right now. And then in Jackass, you have this reuniting of, of a cast. Plus, on top of that, you're meeting new cast members. So in a way, sort of pass the torch to maybe future jackass members uh, it's the force awakens of jackass is that what you're saying yeah exactly it's (laughs) it's the ass awakening of (laughs) but i will say none of the guys are standing there crotchety and and you know throwing lightsabers over their shoulder they were fully embracing their role as the mentor and you know yeah do you think do you think they do a jackass five ever uh, I could it. see it in a few years, and yeah. you've really at that point relegated your you know older stars to just sort of standing there and watching these young guys make idiots of themselves and hurt themselves. Right. Um, uh, there's one fellow named Aaron. I really hope he gets a break in the next one because he is utterly tortured. They really ran this guy through the gauntlet. So I hope I hope he gets a break if they do another one. Oh man, you're getting me stoked to see it. Do you think it? Do you think it needs to be seen in a in a theater or no? Uh, you know what? I think the only thing, unfortunately, that was missing from the theatrical experience was the laughter. I mean, yeah, the three of us were howling away, but right. that's basically there was only six other people in there, and mm. they were all really distant. So. If you can get into a theater, even at a 25% occupancy where, like, I would go if you were going to go, I would go next Friday night. Right. At, you know, at 9 o'clock, and you, okay. you might have enough people in there to give you that theatrical sort of laughing experience. Makes sense, dude, that this movie, yeah, like you said, Justin, like, people want to laugh right now. Yeah, right? Exactly. They, like, you know, I think if, if, if you're going to blame, like, Roland Emmerich, like, blaming Marvel and stuff, it's like, no, dude, people want to watch stuff that's going to make them happy. You can do dramatic stuff, and, like, I get that that Moonfall was supposed to be, like, a, a popcorn flick, but it's about the world ending, and it's like... Maybe people want to just be, watch people get hit in the nuts right this minute, and then and then and then maybe we can do the world ending stuff a little bit later on. I don't know. I will say he has an interesting point. I always disagree with it. I don't think that there that both types of movies that Marvel and the big blockbuster and the less original sort of movies can't coexist with smaller original independent projects, and we see. Every year, those smaller independent projects are the ones that get the most critical attention and win the awards when it really matters. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's up to people to go out and find these movies because it is tough when the Marvels and Disney movies of the world are sort of taking up most of that box office attention. But that doesn't mean there aren't platforms for, 
you know, a little bit more originality and, you know, but just looking at all of our news articles and our trailers that we're watching, it is a lot of less than original sort of content that yeah. we're that yeah. we're seeing. I mean, uh, let's move on to our next story here. This is from James Hibbard at The Hollywood Reporter. Netflix's That 90s Show reveals its next generation cast. The sequel to Fox's That 70s Show includes a couple of familiar faces, plus many newcomers. Uh, Netflix's sequel to That 70s Show is announcing its, uh, has announced its young ensemble cast. The actors joined previously announced returning cast members Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp as Red and Kitty, who will also serve as executive producers. The new series is set in 1995, while Leah Foreman, daughter of the original show's Eric and Donna, is visiting her grandparents for the summer and bonds with a new generation of Point Place kids under the watchful eye of Kitty and the stern glare of Red. The new Point Place teens are Ashley Ofterhide, Kaylee Hierda, Mace Coronel, Maxwell Assi Donovan, Rain Doy, and Sam Morelos. I'm just going to apologize in advance now. There are a lot of names on this podcast that I might struggle to pronounce. Uh, the article goes on to describe in detail each of the new characters these young actors will be playing. So if you're interested, go and check it out if you want to learn a little bit more. Uh, in having read over it myself, I will say it's nice to see that the characters don't sound... Like just newer versions of the, yeah. the sort of archetypes that the previous show had. It seems like they're giving a new group of kids that are going to fit into being in the middle of the '90s rather than just your your stoner and your this and your that. I think we're going to get the '90s version of these sort of less than brown nosing A plus student kids. And so at, le at least that's a fresh spin on it. This show was my jam back in the day. So like I don't know about you guys. Yeah. I, I I enjoyed the show uh, back when I don't I wouldn't say I was a diehard fan who watched it every week and nor have I at this point watched all of that 70s show in sequential order. Uh, that being said, I have watched it. I do love the show. And I think what it's going to do right now when it comes out on Netflix for the kids of this generation is what it did for us. It just it felt like a time travel sort of experience. Um, and, and, it, and it was a fun uh, reminiscent and it had had all the right nostalgia so I think that if they can they can stick to landing with this one they, it would be good and I think obviously giving some space like wasn't there that 80 show which like sh came out bomb I mean, it, it came out while 70 show was on and so just it feels bombed yeah. and yeah yeah I'm just worried it kind of reminds like this casting just like just Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp as as returning so far I think is what you said right like we don't have like Topher Grace is not coming through. Mila Kunis, like none of the originals. I mean, I'm hoping they're just keeping maybe a few little surprises. Yeah, okay, man, they're no way sure homing it. Some cameos. Yeah, they're gonna they're no, no way homing it. it. It's yeah, just it, sure. it's giving me vibes though. Like we have to wait and see a trailer. Like these kids could be fantastic actors. They could be filming it in a different like style as well. Maybe it's not going to be so much like, like the. Yeah, it's going to be maybe a little bit less sitcom, more more you know with with dramatic elements and. Yeah, I, I wonder, do we get the laugh see. track? That is a good well, question. So this is the thing, right? Because like, if they do the laugh track stuff, it's just it gives me too many vibes of um, like Fuller House kind of feeling, but, right? So Where it's like, do, do we? But they could. I they don't could, know if we. Uh, I don't know. I know, but no. They, but I, I just think. I just think you know this was a show about kids, you know, experimenting with alcohol and drugs, and it's a little right. bit more elevated than the problems kids in grade six face, right? And so I think you have to keep it. To that, you like you said, just uh, you know, it's crazy to think that this is you know we're looking at a time that for now is 27 years ago for us, right. the mid 90s. You know, it's it's the almost exact same amount of time that had passed from the 70s when this show came on, mm. and we were watching it in the in the mid to late 90s. And so, right. I think you you keep it with the same tone, you keep it with that you know high school students and whatever they're doing now. And yeah, you just do it in the 90s a little bit, you know, so not what they're doing now, but what they were doing in the 90s and at that time. But I don't think you bring it down to a kid's show. This is very much a, a late teen sort of show. I do think that it's not uncommon for for Netflix to do a sort of sitcom style with the live studio audience sort of mm -hmm. uh, laugh track. They've done it. Um, I think for this to feel in the same continuity of that 70s show they'll probably stick with that sitcom style but who knows I yeah like terry terry turner's one of the writers uh and you know third rock from the sun tommy boy wayne's world and especially saturday night live 
he was a writer throughout the it's 80s into the early yeah. 90s. So, yeah, like it's going to I I do think maybe we will get that laugh track after seeing this writing writing uh crew, but I honestly I just need a trailer, I guess, at this point cuz I don't know if this casting's really doing anything for me. No, I mean, I think they brought the two best characters that they could bring back. Mm-hmm. Deborah or sorry, Kitty and Red were the sort of the the grounding of for the rest of these characters and so a whole new generation and i mean i don't think watching this is you're going to get any vibes from these relatively unknown actors but look at what that 70s show did for most of its cast you know right, between true. Aston Kutcher, Mila Kunis, Topher Grace like so many careers were launched from the original show and so if this could do that for a few new actors then pretty plus cool. one of their kids is named Nate so let's go i'm down <laughs> <laughs> well on the vein of uh, rebooting whatever you want to call it to uh, shows and movies from the past. Our next story comes from Joe Otterson from Variety, which is that Goosebumps' new live-action TV series lands at Disney+. Plus. Uh, so according to Variety, the new Goosebumps TV series has been picked up by Disney+. Plus. The new series, uh, based on the R.L. Stein books, was first reported as being in the works uh, as early as April 2020, Disney Plus has given the show a 10-episode order. The series wow. follows a group of five high school students who unleash supernatural forces upon their town and must all work together, thanks to and in spite of their friendships, rivalries, and pasts with each other, in order to save it, learning much about their own parents' teenage secrets in the process. Nick Stoller and Rob Letterman serve as writers and executive producers on the show, and Letterman will also direct the first episode. Uh, the two recent Goosebump feature films were released in 2015 and 2018, and both of the movies grossed over $250 million. Goosebump sold over 400 million English-language copies of the books, uh, which is absolutely insane. It's one of the greatest book-selling series of all time. Uh, this marks the second live-action Goosebump series to make it to air. Uh, fans, uh, people of my age will remember the first live-action show uh, airing for four seasons and 74 episodes between 1996 and 98. Uh, and now that show was more of an episodic anthology with each episode being based on the different Goosebump book. So to see that they're taking this in a, li- in a different direction. Like a linear, yeah. It, it almost sounds like it's more of a story arc. It almost sounds like they're doing more of what they did in the movie where all of the stories are coming together rather than being told separately. I'm not sure how I feel about that. As long as they don't have that in the intro, they don't have that golden retriever with the green eyes, dude. That gave me nightmares, dude. <laughs> like that thing was freaky. Um but no, like if if they're going to do like I didn't I didn't even realize there was a go- go- Goosebumps 2. Um I had no idea that they came out with another movie in 2018, but that first that first one I thought was actually Pretty pretty good. Uh, the first and, one is really really fun. The right? second one, the second one tries. It, it yeah. tries, and it's not offensively bad. It just didn't have the same magic as that first. Do we get one, Do we get sure. Jack Black in this one? You do get series. You do get Jack okay. Black uh, a bit more in the in the second one actually. Um, okay, but he, but do you yeah, think he shows just, up in the in the show. Uh, I I feel like this is almost going to be different, right? Because yeah, Disney gonna... didn't do those Goosebump movies, oh, so I true. think they're going to keep this. Okay. On their own. I just hope we don't get the dummy. I mean, I'm done with the ventriloquist doll. <laughs> What's slappy. his name? Uh, ha- slappy or Snappy <laughs> or whatever. I the, the character never interested me in the books. He didn't do much for me in the movies. And I think they played that character to death over the two movies. So I hope they go a different direction if there is going to be sort of one leading antagonist. They almost did better with Slappy in Toy Story 4 than they did in the recent movies. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's interesting, though, that they're trying to build like a universe or a world for Goosebumps. Where like what we know Cinematic and love universe. about, well, no, but that's what I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? Like they're trying to lean into this idea of how can they draw this out, very much like you know the Star Wars and then the Marvel and the DCs are doing with their IP. That being said, I think the strength of of Goosebumps is those individual stories. That was what I loved about when I was growing up, and what got me into reading was just those those books. So. You know, while I don't think that it worked to try to reserve a whole book into one 30-minute episode, I thought we could see something maybe a little bit more along the lines of, uh, you know, a whole season dedicated to a book that tells that story, almost like a Goosebumps Presents. You got to imagine, when the original Goosebumps series came out, they were almost forced into the anthology style because of how TV just aired, right? Like, you wouldn't—kids aren't going to be tuning in on a, a week-to-week basis.
this, you know, every kid's show was just, you catch it when you catch it, and if it's on, it's on. You might have already seen that episode, or it might have been a repeat or whatever, um, but you, it, it never really followed that narrative. So they were almost forced into that, whereas, like, with streaming culture, we've now got the bingeability of being able to watch a whole season all the way through. Yeah, but and that's why I'm saying now it would work yeah. better to not necessarily reserve right. an episode because I, I get it. Like if they wanted to be a kid show, they had to run for 22 minutes with commercial yep. breaks and yeah. it had to be a really concise narrative that just fit within that window of time for a 30 minute block. And that's that's sort of what forced them to to go down that route and try to condense their books into these short sort of episodes. Whereas short I think, stories, yeah. yeah, short stories more or less, which could be experienced now with this bingeable culture. And so, what if it's almost a combination of the two ideas, where you're you're almost taking a case of the week aspect at each episode, but because it's with the same group of kids, you don't have to spend parts of every episode introducing new people and who they are and what their story is. And so we avoid all that. We sort of have a linear narrative with their story and what their backgrounds are because it says they want to explore that. But then, yeah, a monster of the week sort of appears in tribute to a different book every week. I think that's that cool. I think that's, that's cool because I will say the characters in Goosebumps is that I never I can couldn't tell you one. I could tell you the stories, but I couldn't tell you a single person like Jimmy or Billy. Yeah, they were all bratty kids who got (laughs) sent off to a camp they didn't want to go to and were mad at their parents because of it. And yeah. I will say the only other episode of Goosebumps that freaked me the 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 F out is being the one where uh, she's on the bed and then the hands come through the bed and like grab her i like i literally like to this day if there's a bump in my bed i'm like i don't know if i can sleep tonight <laughs> I don't know about this. well uh speaking about uh not sleeping well i think uh <laughs> peter dinklage has, has lost oh, a little no. bit of sleep recently and yeah. uh he brings up a very interesting point about equality and representation in hollywood uh this story comes from ryan parker at the hollywood reporter Uh, The article is titled, Disney Responds to Peter Dinklage's Snow White Live Action Criticisms. Mm -hmm. Uh, So last week, Peter Dinklage, the Emmy-winning Game of Thrones star, was a guest on Mark Moran's podcast, uh, uh, WTF, uh, where he blasted the announced film based on the 1937 animated classic. After noting the casting of West Side Story breakout Rachel Ziegler, Dinklage told Moran, literally no offense to anyone, but I was a little taken aback when they were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White, but you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing there. It makes no sense to me. You're progressive in one way, but then you're still making that effing backwards story about seven dwarfs living in a cave together. What the F are you doing, man? Have I done nothing to advance the cause from my soapbox? I guess I'm not loud enough. Dinklage is not involved with the Disney project. Now, Disney attempted to set the record straight following the remarks in one of the fastest responses I've ever seen yeah. to uh, something like this. It's like the next day. They're quoted as saying, to avoid re- reinforcing stereotypes from the original animated film, we are taking a different approach with these seven characters and have been consulting with members of the dwarfism community. We look forward to sharing more as the film heads into production after a lengthy development period. Still years from release, Snow White will have cultural consultants just like other live-action films such as Aladdin and Mulan. The film has been in development for three years. The studio has been reimagining the dwarf characters since the earliest stages and intended for the characters to be CG animated. Interesting. Yeah, um, so what do we think about this developing battle that uh, Peter Dinklage seems to be waging against Disney? Is he right? And I'm just going to say really quickly here, I personally have always viewed the dwarf characters as more science fiction tropes of a mythical being rather than seven human characters with the condition of dwarfism. Do you know what I mean? And so I don't know if it's ever necessarily been meant to be anything derisive against people with a certain medical condition. I think, I think it's just the aspect of, like, I think he, he specifically calls out them living in a cave, right? But I mean, and sort they of just don't. They live these... in a, a nice wood hut in the in the middle of the forest and they're they're clearly very very wealthy little uh, <laughs> With you know the wealthy and entrepreneurial they individuals <laughs> yeah. they, they they bring in mad halls with their diamond mining um, yeah. you know they're well to do they just want to live out in the forest together in a to me it almost seems like it, it almost seems like making them into cg characters is kind of upsetting like why not just kind of to your point what you're saying there kevin like just make them seven dwarfs just seven little people that want to help 
our our main character. Like they don't need to be in a cave. They don't need to be represent misrepresented in any way. They can totally be like these well off characters. But like to take them and now say, oh no, they're all CGI like creatures. Like that almost. I don't know if that almost feels a little worse in a way. I don't know. It's almost like Peter Dinklage is helping us to educate ourselves on the matter, which I think for a lot of it is what he's he's trying to fight for here is right. people educating themselves and becoming aware. And so I think what he should be fighting for here now is obviously to make sure that the representation of these characters is that they're fine, upstanding individuals. But this is an opportunity for seven little people to get work in an industry that is a very difficult industry for certain people to find work. And yeah. wouldn't Peter Dinklage want to see seven people get, become employed and have jobs and work on a project that could bring a positive light to these characters? But now they're all going to be CGI. Now they're all just going to be CGI Yeah, like, that's the direction. Creatures. I mean, I'm not sure if Dinklage knew that when he was going on right. his tirade Well, it here, says but... in the article he is not affiliated with the, yeah. with the film at all and maybe he should be maybe he should be brought on as one of the consultants yeah. if he has ideas on how to better represent these characters mm. i think part of it has a lot to do with just like sort of stoking the conversation uh, about you know disney and how they would handle this and how they right. are going to to go about doing it you know calling out the fact that they've they've casted a, a latina snow white which is so progressive and so forward and it shows that you're breaking those boundaries are you going to do the same when it comes to the seven dwarves. Yeah. And I think you're right, Kevin. I think it's an opportunity for us to be more educated on, on stuff like this. And everyone needs to be more aware of these sort of things. And if that's what he's really doing here, if that's what he's he's trying to do by engaging in this conversation, you know, we'll hopefully all be the better for it. Absolutely. But uh, let's move on from the news and hit up some good old trailer time. It's trailer time. <laughs> Alrighty, well, our first trailer comes from the television juggernaut that is Peacock, uh, who has just released the Joe vs. Carol trailer for the forthcoming limited series, highlighting the intense rivalry between Tiger King stars Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin. Joe vs. Carol is based on the Wondery podcast Joe Exotic, which was hosted and reported by Robert Moore. Stars John Cameron Mitchell, Kate McKinnon, Kyle McLaughlin, Brian Van Holt, Sam Keeley, Nat Wolf, Mario Kelly, William Fitchner, Dean Winters, and David Wenham. The limited series will center on Carol Baskin, a big cat enthusiast who learns that fellow exotic animal lover Joe Exotic Shrivel is breeding and using his big cats for profit. Uh, she sets out to shut down his venture, inciting a quickly escalating rivalry, but Carol has a checkered past of her own, and when the claws come out, Joe will stop at nothing to expose what he sees as her hypocrisy. The results prove dangerous. So, uh, as if we're not getting enough uh, Joe Exotic and, and Tiger King content, now we're getting the series based on the docuseries that, is, that came out during this pandemic. It's, it hasn't even been that long. It's surreal. Like I do think they are going to financially recover from this because it 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 looks good. It it's crazy to see the show. It doesn't feel that long ago. Like you're saying that this documentary came out. Um, and it was like I, I got to say, or like April 2020, that this series right? came out. Yeah. <laughs> this turned around so quickly. I remember us talking about like our we had our uh, like our total recast ideas for this and like I was totally wanting to see Doc Antle as John Travolta I was having I was having NBC spend way more money on this show than they did but like <laughs> I had Benedict Cumberbatch as Don Lewis and then uh Brad Pitt as Joe Exotic I think would have been nuts but I remember <laughs> they were also talking about like potentially bringing in Nick Cage at one point or something like that but I don't know like Kate McKinnon um I think has the chops to be able to pull off like a comedic and a dramatic side. And I think, yeah, dude. you know, all these people, all the people in that documentary, they're all, all of them are awful people. Don't, don't think any other way, but I felt like the documentary sort of put Joe exotic to be more of a hero and Carol is more of the villain. So it's kind of nice to see that they're focusing more on Carol in this one and sort of painting a better picture of her side of things. Cause I do think that she was, uh, wrong, wrongfully villainized, even though I still don't think she's a great, a great person, but I think they took it a little too far on Joe Exotic's side in the documentary. 
Yeah, I, I think that this is a great way to try to tell the other nuances to the documentary that, that might have been overlooked, right? So yeah. I think really focusing in on Joe and, and Carol, while while they did lay the groundwork in the documentary, we didn't get to see the nuanced moments that, that do surround that, whether it be speculation or truth or he said, she said sort of stuff. And they just bring that to life through this dramatization. Because if anything that the documentary proved of Tiger King is that people want to see this this sort of dumpster fire of a lifestyle <laughs> sort of explored, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just nuts. I'm a little confused though. IMDb, and again, maybe this is just because IMDb's website sucks, but they're just showing John Cameron Mitchell, who plays Joe Exotic, in in one episode. Um, whereas for Carol Baskin, they're showing Kate McKinnon in, in eight. So it's like, is it just going to be the setup? Is is that all he's there for? Because no, he's, he's mean, in I've the trailer. Personally... That's a two minute trailer that we watched, right? Like four right. two minutes, and he, he's in a good chunk. He's of in it. it quite a bit. There's he's no way be. you can do this show with Joe Exotic in one episode. Right. There's just no yeah. way. But I do think that Kate McKinnon is going to be the you know titular character, right? While the documentary was about Joe, this series will be about Carol. I've never seen John Cameron Mitchell uh, in a role before, but looking up some of the stuff he's done on IMDb, um, look, it looks like a lot of dramatic roles. Like it doesn't really look like there's a ton of sort of comedic stuff in there. So um, I think it'll be really interesting. He looks, he looks the part. Like holy crap, does he, looks he look spectacular? The part. Yeah, he looks unbelievable. Great. And then um, like Dean Winters as Jeff Lowe is, I think, perfect casting. Like he's mm. he just looks so much like him and and I don't know I think I think again I think they've got the the chops to make this a good series I don't know how far they can go but if they can give me a finale where uh Joel Marsh Garland uh who's James Garrettson in the show if he's just on a jet ski and that's how they that's how they finish the the show <laughs> I'm totally down for that <laughs> uh, what was the show that was on FX Kev the one that we liked that uh, they did the Versace series. They did the OJ. So that's an American Crime Story. They just did yes. uh, the impeachment story. Yes, and the impeachment was the most recent one. This feels like it's going to have that sort of level of dramatization, but obviously it's going to bring in the comedy, right? I, I don't think you can cast someone like Kate Kate McKinnon and not not get a little bit cheeky right. with some of it, right? I don't and know if you can Joe, tell the story of Carol and Joe without being oh, yeah. very oh, cheeky with and Joe. fun with it, right? Like, yeah. especially yeah. with with a character like Joe, right? As 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 eccentric as he is. So uh, I feel, I'm excited to see what this show's going to do. And, you know, given that Bel Air is going to be coming out um, I think the 13th of February, uh, 14th here in Canada on Showcase, um, but you know, with that sort of dramatization series kind of coming from Peacock and then potentially this following in, in, in March, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, Peacock really does round out the kind of content that they're bringing to the streaming platform. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it can keep up with like uh, like an HBO or a Disney Plus. I think even honestly, even Apple TV Plus has sort of yes. uh, garnered a, a reputation for putting out some really quality like HBO level content. And to me, like, at the end of the day, like I still see HBO attached to something and I'm like, that's most likely going to be a really good series or, or TV show. So, you know, to have NBC and like we're looking at Paramount Plus launching soon with with like we talked about the Halo series last week and stuff. And it's like, yeah, it will be really kind of intriguing to see, OK, which ones which ones actually land and, and, and do really well and then which ones are going to kind of feel lesser than yeah, which 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 are going to come in to kind of challenge some of the other big names in this yeah. in this streaming wars the streaming wars well speaking of streaming wars and which movies and shows are going to be good and which might not be <laughs> uh, our next trailer was forced upon me to be included in the show here because i think <laughs> nate is very very eager for this one uh the trailer gives us a glimpse at the story of the raucous exploits of a blended family of 12 the bakers as they navigate a hectic home life while simultaneously managing their family business the disney plus original movie cheaper by the dozen which is a fresh take on the 2003 hit family comedy stars gabrielle union and zach braff and will premiere march 18th 2022 exclusively on disney plus Cheaper by the Dozen is directed by Gail Lerner with a screenplay by Kenya Barris and Jennifer Rice Gensuk. Henry, based upon the novel by Frank Bunker Gilbreth Jr. and, and Ernestine Gilbreth Carey. Why so many names, people? Why does everyone in this project have three or four names? <laughs> in addition to Union and Braff, the film stars Erica Christensen, Timon Kyle Jurrett, Journey Brown, 
Kylie Rogers, Andrew Robinson, Kaylee Belensky, Arian Simhadri, Leo Abello, uh, Perry, Miguel Michelle Harris, <sighs> Christian Coates, Sebastian Coates, and Luke Prail. Uh, now, I know I was a fan of the original uh, films. Uh, that's probably because I'll watch anything with Steve Martin in it. Yeah. That said, I am not sure this is a reboot I need in my life. Dude, I'm not. I put this in there because I wanted to say how like this doesn't look good at all. I'm not. Right. Ex- I'm not excited yeah, okay, about good. it at all. Okay, so as long as we're all on the same page, like- um, it's honestly it looks so rough. I'm getting vibes of uh, Home Alone again yeah. or Home Sweet Home Alone again, and and. It just feels like it's, again, another thing that they should have just left well enough alone. It was fine when it came out. I get what they're trying to do with, with this show. I get the direction that they're going. But at the same time, this trailer gave me no story. This is a movie or a TV show, just really quick. It's a movie. It is a movie. It's a movie. And it felt like I was watching scenes from a bunch of scenes of a TV show. Like It felt like a bunch of moments cut together with no storyline. Like I don't know where these characters are going, what they want to achieve, and it's just Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union running around doing TikTok dances. I mean, I'm fine like, with not knowing what the story is. You know what the story is. It's a mom with six kids comes together with a dad with six kids. They Brady Bunch it up, but what and they happens? live a crazy, hectic house in a crazy, hectic house with 12 kids, and they've got to manage their stuff. That is I, all this has ever been about. Well, isn't it? Isn't it 10 kids? It's five oh, is it and 10 five. kids, and then the two make 12? Yeah. Okay, whatever it is. <laughs> they've got a buttload of kids, which is insane. Well, no, anybody but, could live like that. I think, I think though, the, the pitch that you just had there, Nate, sounds a lot more interesting, like turning this into a TV show that probably right? would target... The family audience. You hit the more. modern family side well, of see, things, and, right? And there you go. There, if you go even further and you want to take it even deeper and make it different, you yeah. go the modern family route, and it's it's a modern family, cheaper by the dozen, uh, mashup, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean. And it, it talks about the blended family. Like I, I, a hundred percent agree with you. It's it's very obvious what they're trying to do with this, and I think it's very good. I, I like the I like the progressive mind Absolutely. frame of, of what they're doing. But that being said. I feel like this looks very apparent that this is dulled down to kids. Like this is not for the our audience. And again, Kevin, like you said, I loved uh, the uh, original Cheaper by the Dozen because of Steve Martin. And if he was brought back, if he was like their grandfather, like you know what I mean, like that would have oh, been. Geez. <laughs> the grandfather who has 10 kids. I mean, I guess he would end up having like 25 grandchildren by the end of it, right? But like, but I mean, I, dude, just don't forget yeah. that was also a PG movie. So I right. don't expect this show to be anything more than a PG it's sort of It's just what rehash. kids watch now versus what we would have watched back then that was probably passable as PG content. Um, like, Nate, you were saying Home Sweet Home Alone. That was just targeted right. for a whole other audience that was that disregarded any of the people that appreciated the originals so it's like right. okay <laughs> but, he, but i'm like i just i just quickly watched in silence the original trailer for cheaper by the dozen and you've got the story of like the boyfriend coming in and like taking the daughter away or, <laughs> or whatever like at least that gives me something i literally couldn't tell you a single thing that is going to progress with these characters and it's just for something like this that's not how you pull in your audience i don't know like who are they going after with this right like who is the audience Kids, for this man. and it's the just, same audience that i think right home sweet home alone was for was going after is what this is for well i right? I, I, I feel like this might still be better than that when you're remaking something 20 30 40 years later whatever it is yeah you need to make it accessible for the new generation but also good enough or have elements that are going to attract the fans of the original one exactly parents can watch with their kids together whereas home sweet home alone didn't have anything above you know uh, a McAllister name yeah there was nothing to to engage adults for an hour and a half and this this you know the fans of the originals would be about 40 or so now you know, depending on when they would have seen the original Cheaper by the Dozen. It needs to have something to attract those people as well as kids yeah. who want to watch a bunch of zany family stuff. And I don't see that. Just like that 70s show, you know, like I was watching that show and my dad, who grew up at the time, was finding it funny. And so that 70s show has to appeal to, they'd actually even be a bit older than us, the people who the show would be about, you know, being in your teens in the 90s. But it has to attract those people who are now in their 40s as well as the kids who are the age of the people in the show. And so finding that balance to get both sides of the coin is really difficult, but I don't know how well this one is doing it. I really hope that 90s show is better at it than what this appears to do. 
Uh, but uh, I will say, while Disney Plus has sometimes struggled to uh, engage us with their, their upcoming content and some of their reboots and rehashes, uh, Netflix is coming out of the gates 2022 with a crazy-looking lineup of movies. They promised to come at us with basically a new movie every single week. Uh, you know, just when you think the streaming giant might uh, settle in and, and just go, you know what, we've got 220 million subscribers, <laughs> we're done here. Nope, we're just going to blow the roof off. Uh, this new trailer, uh, I thought it was really, really fun. I thought it was incredible to mix clips from the movies as well as shots that were clearly taken while on set but made just for the trailer. Yeah. And so to be able to sort of mix that and blend that together must have taken a lot of work. Um, and what a lineup of stars. We're talking J-Lo, Chris Hemsworth, Jason Momoa, Jamie Foxx in multiple movies, Ryan Gosling, Chris Evans, Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, Queen Latifah, Adam Sandler, Anthony Mackie. So like basically every Avenger. Uh, we've got Mark <laughs> Mark and Kevin Hart, Jessica Chastain, Mila Kunis, Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Halle Berry, Mark Ruffalo, see, another Avenger, Charlize Theron, and that's just who I could spot on a single watch-through. Uh, and it really looks like there'll be something for everyone. We're talking comedy, drama, action, adventure, animated, romance, and then we finish off with the big reveal of what is likely what we're all most looking forward to, Knives Out, starring Daniel Craig. Uh, so why don't we talk about a few movies that stood out the trailer as a whole reminded me of of something that Disney Plus would do. Like, have they? Has I don't think Netflix has done something like this in the past. Um, I've never seen anything right? like that and from it, them. It reminded me. It actually reminded me almost like a travel commercial. Like when the actors would break the fourth wall and talk to the camera, like like come to the Philippines, like, like they would, you know, like are they doing or like a Cineplex commercial, right? Like it kind of feels like a, you know, welcome back sure. to the movies kind of thing, right? Yeah. But um, it was kind of for me that was kind of the uh, odd additions to the. I get that they blended it in and that's cool, but it it sort of took me out of it at times where I was just kind of like I just want to see these movies, but I'm hyped. I'm sad that we got to pay more monthly now. Um, I mean, as long as half of these movies turn out good, then maybe it'll still be worth it for that that up, upgraded Netflix subscription. But um, yeah, dude, uh, Knives 2 looks... It, it's literally just a, a moment of, of seeing them, but I guess it's going to be on a boat. Is that the idea? Is that the shtick in this one? Well, and it looks like a new cast, which right. I was very happy to see. Yeah. All we need is Daniel Craig's character, and he's got to be working on a new case. We can't have the same people involved for in sure. another murder mystery, and so... Yeah. I, that was my thoughts that it was going to be like that, and so a confirmation of that was really nice. Yeah, I think a lot of people had that had that suspicion uh, about the movie, but yeah, I think that this was a unique piece of marketing material that that gets you hyped for for what twenty twenty two will bring for the streaming platform. But this also feels like a thank you to fans, and I think it's the right time to obviously release it, as as you pointed out, Nate, like to see this and to know that the prices are going up. You know. It kind of it, it starts to yeah. It helps yeah. with the sting. I think yeah. Um, yeah. You you put out on Twitter like a horny Jason Momoa is talking to you yeah. at one point. <laughs> uh, we got Enola Holmes too, which I still haven't watched the first one. And you guys said it was was great. So I really um, enjoyed it. That was one I, of the ones I was most it. excited to see a sequel to. Uh, too, I'm a big Sherlock guy, so yeah. and it's then, a nice twist on that uh, sort of legacy. I want to call out uh, one of the one of the two Jamie Fox movies in here. Uh, they cloned Tyrone. Uh, just the stills that I've been seeing and the fact that it's Jamie Foxx, Tayona Paris, and John frickin' Boyega uh, in one movie, like, I'm I'm stoked for it. It looks really interesting. So mm -hmm. it's... And that's the thing. Like, the I think the trailer does do a good job of showing strong, singular moments, even without dialogue, where you're just like, ooh, that looks... That looks intriguing. Like that looks interesting enough to like kind of look into it further. Um, so I'm hoping we get more trailers, more full trailers. Of course, uh, soon enough. Yeah, yeah this, we'll is, a this was a hype reel. This yeah. was a hype yeah. reel. It was a 2022 hype reel. It did. How could it you did want more from what they showed you? There, <laughs> <laughs> you're so selfish sometimes. <laughs> and I, will say, I just want I will more say, horny Jason Momoa, dude. That's all I want. <laughs> I mean, I will say that the price increase for Netflix doesn't bother me at all. Here in Canada, it's going up to twenty dollars a month. That's yep. the price of a movie. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. movie. Yeah. And, you know, to think about everything that's already on there that we already get. We already just had something like Ozark, which would be worth a month subscription, in my opinion, alone. Sure, yeah. Now they're yeah. going to give us a movie like this maybe once or twice or three times a month with not just a big-name star. These movies are packed. Like, I'm really excited for uh, You People. Yeah. I think that looks really, really awesome, you know, uh, with uh, Jonah Hill, Dave Duchovny, oh, yeah. Julia Louise-Dreyfus, Nettie Murphy. That cast alone, it looks like 
a sort of Judd Apatow style movie. It's almost <laughs> like The King of Staten Island, but maybe actually good. So like I'm excited for movies like that 100%. Like, the, 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 the list is nuts of these, these characters and actors that are in these movies. Yeah, yeah man. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited to see what uh, what we'll get out of 2022. This this hype reel was it did the trick. It it landed for me. So stay tuned because we'll probably have some reviews in the future for some of these projects. And you know, we'll try. We will check them out to make sure if it's worth your time. Yeah. Uh, now, before we wrap up, I thought we would do a quick whatcha and uh, maybe share one thing that we watched or played or something from uh, throughout the week. Nate, why don't you start us off? Yeah, dude. I so I accidentally fell into a series and I love I love accidentally falling into amazing phenomenal shows that I just never even heard of before. So there's a show that recently came out uh through Star on Disney Plus um and it's called Dave and it's originally on FX and it's about the life of Dave Bird uh whose rapper name is Lil Dicky. Now yeah, bro. I'm I'm I I had no idea and like I'm talking to people who know hip hop uh, at my work and they're like you didn't know who Lil Dicky was like I'm like yeah, nah, dude, I don't know I wouldn't have a clue I'm so sorry like wow. I have no idea I'm not guys, following the hip hop scene I was We're, I'm lame with... I'm a lame person no, but it's I was fine telling I get you, it I remember telling you about this show like in <laughs> 2020 when I found it. Yeah. I think and I knew about Little Dicky this before in an episode yes. for yeah. sure. And that's yeah. why when I saw you tweet it out the other day, I was like yeah. I called you and I was like, "Bro, I can't believe you've you finally are sitting down. I haven't even watched season yeah. 2 yet." But yeah, it's so good. It's such a great show. Well, there's there's this I don't know if it's a movie or a show or something, but there's some sort of like indie project about a Dave who's like a robot or something. And so in my mind when I, I heard another podcast, shout out to the kind of funny crew where they were talking about how amazing Dave is, but I didn't want to go into it because I like half wanted to watch this robot movie about Dave the robot or something and half didn't want to watch it. And then it just sort of melted away. And so now they've got the first season on Star through Disney Plus, uh, And now it's on. Uh, you can get your second season through like if you just buy it on, on iTunes, which is what I did. Um, but I'm telling you, man, like the show is absolutely phenomenal they've got amazing guest stars the the storyline is incredible and the only thing I'm, I'm gonna say and this isn't this isn't necessarily a spoiler but the show because we were talking about euphoria I think Justin you were talking about euphoria and how sometimes some of it feels gr a little gratuitous for a little bit more gratuitous sake where this show has some gratuitous stuff involving sex but the way that they take that and turn it into an endearing moment blew my mind like blew my mind to the point where I'm like, I don't even like I couldn't talk about this stuff to like my my parents or my grandmother or anything like that. But I have a strong feeling that if my parents actually sat down and watched the show, that <laughs> they would also be turned around to be like, that's uh, really out of our comfort zone, but so wonderfully endearing and charming. And it's crazy how a show can make me feel those two feelings at once. Yeah, uh, dude, it is. It's so good. Please yeah. watch Dave. Everyone needs yeah. to watch it. Yeah, everyone Holy. needs to watch it. I because because you tweeted it out, I rewatched it. Uh, Sick. and I rewatched season 1 because it was on Disney Plus. And yeah, it you know, the fact that he's such a skilled uh rapper, he's yeah. he's really a skilled writer and his delivery of of everything from the comedy to the rap, it's just so nuanced to who I think da you know, Dave Bird is. Yes. Uh, so it's it's so well done. It's so well done. And watching it, I was like, I was like, oh, this actor can really rap. And then, <laughs> and then my friends pointed out to me, like, no, 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 that rapper, rapper can really can act. act. Yeah, exactly. and it's so true, dude. Please, yeah. you got to check it out. So good. I can't wait for season three. Nice. Well, just uh, we know you've already watched this. So uh, what what you get up to this last week? Well, so actually, recently uh, I checked out um, one of the shows that we talked about last week in Trailer Time, which was Murderville. Uh, so I thought Ooh, I would report yes. back and let you yeah, guys know. Yeah, watch that you... as well, yeah. Did you? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't watch it all. I haven't watched it all. I got to uh, Annie Murphy's uh, episode. Um, but I've, I, like, some of the episodes I like more, moments I like more in the episodes. Uh, Very hit or miss, I, I thought. It, I, it is. And I think the structure, while so, like, I was telling you guys last week, I was so intrigued with this sort of improv 
game show ask like it felt like an escape room but it was like being recorded as a narrative and you know you have these people that are obviously actors that are aware of what they're kind of doing so they know the challenge right but right. they also know that they can just kind of go with it um there were some great moments in uh Kumail's uh episode with him and and Will Arnett and uh Annie Murphy was pretty good though but she was pretty very much Annie Murphy uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I found, like, it really did depend on the guest star for how well it worked. I mean, like, the fact, uh, like, like Kamel was probably the funniest because he seemed to be the most legitimately uncomfortable and, like, afraid right. of what was going to be done to him next. And that worked, whereas, like, Annie just, she just kind of felt out of her elements. This wasn't her strong suit. Then you got, like, Sharon Stone, and and um, I can't believe um, how good he was. Marshawn Lynch. Him and Sh Sharon Stone just were so good at becoming these characters that it almost wasn't funny anymore because they right. were just so good at it. And, uh, and then, like, Ken Jong laughing the whole time made it fun as well. Yes. Like, him being bad was good. So, like, the worse they are at it, the better it is. Right, and, like, that's where, like, I watched the Conan, like, the first episode's Conan O'Brien, and I was disappointed, dude, because, like, and maybe a part of me is sort of getting confused by the way it's shot. Like, I almost feel like they need to take the scenes where the characters, where the actors do break, and need to maybe focus in on that a little bit more. Maybe change it, cut it to make it look like a like a reality show in the scenes where they're breaking or where the where the actors who are the guest stars have to kind of because watching it and seeing it filmed the way it's filmed, parts of it just sort of feel like a poorly written comedy show. But that's and what I like, like about it. That's I, what I like I, about it. Oh, I like I that know, aesthetic. Man. I like the aesthetic of it, like and the way it's shot and filmed feels like it's trying to take itself seriously as a show it's kind of interesting but it doesn't work for all of them that is no. that is 100% no, it didn't for work sure for all of them if there is a season two i hope they find more of the kind of guests that are uncomfortable and awkward and just really make it apparent that they're in this sort of improv environment and really and do, do being thrown stuff. for a loop yeah, yeah. Do right? make them eat the hot sauce. Like that was <laughs> right, the best part great. of the Conan episode, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But what I really did like about it, and I sort of caught on towards the end of the first episode, was trying to solve the murder, trying to figure yeah. out which of the three suspects yeah. it was. Like that, that I wasn't looking forward to going into the show. But by the second or third episode, it There's was a, a reward contest at the between end of the Sarah and I to yeah. try and figure it out. And I think we each nailed one with enough of the evidence to suggest why we guessed that way. But so, yeah, that's a that was a really fun aspect. So, I mean, I, my, me personally, I would definitely watch a second season of this. Yeah, for sure. I think I would I would definitely check out a second season. And I think it was a, a good idea to try to, to to see if it could work and and hopefully to your point they can probably look at this and and maybe have some takeaways from it to see what they could do differently and yeah i think you could, could tweak try. it I don't a little know, and make it even better i don't know if they need to go full slapstick but i i do want to see the characters be super surprised by the circumstances right because it's like i think you referenced it last week it feels like punked right like it has a very punked quality to it but they're in on being the being punked and right. i think that plays that plays well in this format right whereas the aesthetic that like nate was talking about before where it's like very docu style that was trying to capture those those moments in that very real sort of way so yeah. i like the idea that the show has its own sort of like crime style i like that it's trying to take itself seriously yeah man and kevin so okay so that's that's Justin. Kevin, what ya been what yaing? Okay, well, I'm just going to go out and say right now that Disney Plus is the wildest streaming service on the planet. <laughs> we talked about the fact that they, you know, they're coming out with cheaper by the dozen. You can go on there and watch such family-friendly content as The Mighty Ducks and right. even Book of Boba Fett is very much for families and and that sort of thing. Right on the top bar, you got Book of Boba Fett. You swipe over one, and I'm clicking on Pam and Tommy. And all of a sudden, we've got Lily James and rocking big fake breasts, bare-chested, yeah. faker breasts than Pam Anderson actually had. We've got Sebastian Stan talking to his penis yeah. and his very animated penis talking back to him. <laughs> Um, and I'm going, this is on Disney Plus. It's wild. Not dude. on Star. You don't have to like select Star and go find it. It's right on the main page of Disney Plus, right yeah. beside the Mighty Ducks. I think that is absolutely insane. Uh, I will say the show is very, very interesting. I think it's unbelievable the transformation Lily James has gone under to look like a spitting image of Pam Anderson. 
Uh, Sebastian Stan is very hit or miss as Tommy. You can see him mm. really nailing it at certain points, but if he goes too far, it's a bit hokey. I mean, you uh, see him I, nailing it for sure. Well, right? well, there's a lot of you <laughs> seeing him nail it, let me yeah, tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that's very accurate. Uh, and, and huge props to Seth Rogen and uh, Nick Offerman. They're playing very understated characters for what we're typically used to seeing them. Uh, I will just say I'm kind of saving my... My judgment for the show until it's over. I want to mm. see how they treat uh, the Pamela Anderson character. Uh, I thought we mentioned the show earlier, Justin, Crime Story, uh, Impeachment. I thought what they did so well in that show was show that, that you know, all the media did to Monica Lewinsky was make her the villain. And they shamed her and they were so terrible. And, and in the end, she was the victim. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is very similar here with Pam Anderson in that she was really outed as being, you know, uh, uh, you know, a sexually promiscuous character when she just made a, a love tape with her husband that somebody stole and leaked to the press. And that sort of defined her for pretty much the rest of her career. And so I want to see how they sort of examine that as they move forward. We're only about three episodes in, so there's lots of time to sort of tell that story. The, the tape hasn't even really been released to the world quite yet in the narrative of everything. So uh, I'm enjoying the show so far, but I am really curious to see how they handle all of that uh, with her character. Yeah, well, uh, that is it for This Week in Geek. Thanks so much for tuning in wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and leave us a glowing review. We always appreciate the love. And also, you can always reach out and say hi, ask us a question about any of the news or trailers covered today, or about anything we cover in general. You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's not modern enough for you, hit us up on Twitter at GeekCentricYT and Instagram at WeAreGeekCentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering a variety of other content, and new content always coming out such as our ongoing watch club for The Book of Boba Fett. Our episodes for the first six episodes are out and ready to enjoy for your listening pleasure, and our review for the final episode is coming your way in just a few days. And every week, just like right now, we come at you with This Week in Geek, as well as so much more, so keep your eyes peeled for all of that wonderful content. But until next time, J-Law Nate, thanks for joining me for This Week in Geek. And as we say... Love ya. Go out, have fun, and then get home safe, guys. Peace.